2: in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there, everyone, and welcome
0: to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Lauren Volkelbaum. And today we want to talk about a uh, science fiction-y kind of thing. This is not our our promised Independence Day extravaganza. It seems that people are really into the idea of us kind of taking a movie and just deconstructing all the technical uh, issues that we have with it. But we just want to talk about something else, some science fiction-y kind of uh, technology that uh, maybe is not so practical. That's plasma weapons.
2: Right, And uh, this is partially because I am still really bitter that I cannot end conversations that I don't like having by sticking a plasma grenade on someone's face and running away giggling.
0: Is it a spider? Get it off. No, it's not a spider. It's glowing <laughs> blue. Is it a blue spider? Get it off. For my red versus blue fans out there, um, yeah. So plasma weapons is one of those staples in science fiction. But before we kind of talk about what plasma weapons are, it helps for us to actually think about what plasma is. Yes,
2: here in uh, the, the the reality world yeah. that we live in.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the place where you and I spend all our time. Well, well, most of our time. Yeah, a little eh, bit. Of, yeah. About a half and half of our time. Sure. Okay. In in this world. Plasma is one of the four phases of matter, the others being solid, liquid, and gas. And in fact, plasma is the most plentiful of all these stages of matter.
2: I'm just not here on Earth.
0: No, um, not, not so much. But when you look at things like stars, which are many, many, many times larger than Earth, that's what those are made out of.
2: That's, that's all plasma. Yeah.
0: Yep. So it's ionized gas. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean anything to you if you haven't had a science course in a really long time, or maybe you just haven't gotten to that one yet, uh, since we have listeners of all ages out there. So an ionized gas means that those atoms that are in the gas are uh, made up of neutral particles. Uh, Then you have ions, which are atoms that have either gained or lost electrons. In the case of plasma, we're talking about losing electrons. And then you've got electrons zipping around. So the ions are positively charged. The electrons are negatively charged. um, And it's all moving around in this high-energy gas that also means that electricity can actually flow through plasma. Plasma itself is a conductor.
2: Yes, uh, they're also affected by magnetic fields.
0: Yeah, because whenever you have charges, then that means that it can respond to some sort of magnetic field. We've talked many, many times about the relationship between electric and magnetic fields. Uh, this is the case with plasma. So if you have a plasma and you have a strong magnetic field, you can actually guide that plasma in a way or uh, or or immobilize it or compress it which is really important in some of the applications but we'll talk about the applications in a, in just a minute so plasma stars make it through huge amounts of heat i mean you you heat have to pressure. you have to really take uh gas and add energy to it to turn gas into a plasma. And that right?
2: energy doesn't have to be heat. Uh, you know, for example, uh, fluorescent bulbs have have plasma in them. Right. And they are obviously not that hot. Right. But so, certainly not as hot as the surface of the sun.
0: Or an, even an incandescent bulb. Right. So how do we make plasma? So it does require that we add energy. Uh, and like you said, it doesn't have to be heat. It can be in the form of electricity which is what we see with fluorescent light bulbs. It's also what we see with things like plasma torches. And we'll explain more about how those work in a little bit. But um, I want to read this out because I got a little silly when I was writing my notes. Lauren's I, already I enjoyed. Giggling. I
2: enjoyed this note, yes.
0: And I don't know what was in my coffee when I started writing this one. But uh, what I specifically wrote in my notes was, you make plasma by adding energy to a gas until electrons strip free of the atoms in the gas. And you've got ions and electrons having a subatomic Janet Reno dance party. So that's all my for all my Saturday night live <laughs> friends out there who watched in the 90s like i did
2: yes um, yeah it's it's basically just the 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 nuclei of these atoms and and the electrons all going we
0: yeah especially if it's something like hydrogen because then all you have are protons which are positively charged subatomic particles and electrons which are the negatively charged subatomic particles zipping around now uh plasma does not necessarily have to just be hydrogen gas it can really be any gas if you add enough uh energy to it to turn it into a plasma. It's just hydrogen's the one we think of because that's what the sun is made out of. Right. Uh, sun is actually using, uh, hydrogen gas. It's got this, this, uh, plasma hydrogen that then fuses into helium. And that's the, the fusion process that we see in the, the sun that we hope one day we can replicate harness here on, on earth. earth. Yes. And we'll or ta-
2: yes, harness. Yeah. Not replicate. We already do replicate it.
0: Right. Yeah. Inefficiently. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Unfortunately, the amount of energy we have to pour into replicating it is more than what we get out of it. So therefore, it's not a good energy source, but it's a pretty light show. Uh, we are hoping that we can make that an energy source. And if you've listened to our fusion episode, you know what we're talking about. We'll we'll cover it a little bit more in a, in a second, too. So, yeah, we use uh an electric current applied to the gas to get that energy that's necessary to make the electrons pop off these these uh uh, atoms turning them into ions. So in the case with like a plasma torch, you've got these electrodes that create the negative charge. When you bring that torch in contact with a positively charged metal surface, so for example, a big old hunk of iron.
2: You complete the circuit.
0: Right. And then that allows the negative particles to move toward the positive particles. In the process, uh, you're injecting the torch with compressed air. That compressed air comes into contact with this incredibly powerful electric charge Turns into a plasma, burns super, super hot, and that's what allows you to cut through like a giant slab giant of iron. Metal. Yeah, and uh, and that's just one example of how we use uh, the the uh, plasma here on our planet. Not all of them are so violent. That one is actually kind of awesome. There are other uh, uses for plasma torches we'll talk about too. So, when we're talking about a plasma like that, like in the case of a plasma torch you're talking about creating a a ionized gas that's actually hotter than the surface of the sun in some cases so how do you contain something like that
2: very carefully right
0: because if you don't you just burn everything up
2: well actually fortunately uh uh Once once plasma gets away from its energy source, it cools down very rapidly.
0: Yeah, because you have to keep pouring energy in to maintain that plasma state. Now, with the sun, it's just it's got that heat going for it. That's what keeps it going. Here on Earth, we would have to continue either applying heat or electricity to maintain that plasma. If we didn't, it would start to lose energy. And as it lost energy, it would start to convert into a normal gas as opposed to a plasma. Right. Um. And also, if we wanted to maintain that, that energy and keep the plasma going, we could control it with magnetic fields. Not the band, which, you know, I love. (laughs) Book of Love, great song. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about actual magnetic fields. You could use those uh, like electromagnets, you could use electromagnets to control and contain plasma.
2: Because, as we said before, the um, the electrical charge of the plasma reacts to the magnetic field.
0: Right. So, if you just uh, uh, create it so that you are repelling the plasma from all sides, you can contain it into uh, a, a little ball of plasma, if you if you will, or you know various shapes. It's not really a ball necessarily. But that's something that you would have to do because otherwise it sort of blooms outward. Uh, blooming is is one of those those terms that can be used in multiple ways depending upon what specific technology you're referring to. So with lasers it's slightly different than with plasma. What I mean with plasma is that it does tend to to spread out.
2: It kind of dissipates almost. Yeah. So
0: let's say that you, you decide that you're going to hop into the shower, take a nice hot shower, and in the process you're generating a lot of steam. That steam will just essentially go everywhere to fill up the volume of the room you are in, assuming that the room you are in is not palatial and that the steam can eventually cool down enough to condense into water so uh you know that's that's the same sort of thing with plasma it's going to spread out it behaves the way a gas would it doesn't just uh uh maintain its shape so that's why you would need something like a magnetic field to keep it in a specific shape if that was your goal uh, and again, if it were spreading out, then that would also mean it'd be losing energy fairly rapidly and cooling down doesn't necessarily mean that uh, you want to stand too close to a plasma torch as it's going off, but it does no. mean that it's not going to, you know, when we talk about something that can burn hotter than the surface of the sun, we don't mean that if you turn it on, it immediately starts to burn a hole straight down through the straight earth. Straight through the earth. Yeah.
2: No, no. A couple feet away, it's going to cool down enough that it's nothing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And at least not enough for it to cause a massive problem, uh, like a structural integrity problem. Uh, that being said, if you do have a plasma furnace, you have to have lots of cooling mechanisms in place to keep that operational if you're going to maintain a plasma burn. Sure. And uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. I like that we keep on hinting the stuff we're going to talk about. Yes, teasers. We're actually kind of getting into it right now, so <laughs> don't worry. It's not like we're, we're holding off that far. So we've already kind of talked a little bit about what we use plasma for. For instance, plasma torches, we talked about that. And you mentioned fluorescent lights, but how exactly do fluorescent lights work? Like what is the the plasma uh, application there what's what's happening inside of fluorescent?
2: Okay so uh, fluorescent bulbs are sealed tubes and uh, they they inject current into them through electrodes mm-hmm. um, they' the, the the tubes the tubes are filled with a, with an inert gas usually uh, classically argon and, uh, and a little bit of liquid mercury and um, so so when the current flow flows through these electrodes um, it causes the inert gas in the tube to plasmify, um. And I'm not sure if that's a real word. Yes, but it is. Excellent. It cool. is. It
0: is right now, anyway. It's, it's real enough for me.
2: We are the music makers. Yes,
0: we are the dreamer of, of dreams.
2: Yes. <laughs> um, and and when when that when that gas plasmifies, um the electrons begin migrating through the tube due to this electric charge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, uh, this this energy makes liquid mercury gasify. All right. And then those uh those those little Gasified mercury atoms um, collide with the argon plasma, and the um, the electrons in the in the mercury atoms start getting excited by these collisions mm-hmm. and and jumping up a level. Right. And now now this, this this is basically how photons are formed. When um when something collides with a particle and it gets those electrons excited, it jumps up a level, and then when it contracts back down to its former position. A photon is given off.
0: Right, because what's happening is you're pouring energy into the atom, which is allowing the electron to move to further out from the nucleus. When the electron starts coming back into the nucleus, that means it has to release that that energy that was used to push it out in the first place. That release tends to be in the form of a photon, so Mm. a light particle. Now, in the case with mercury, most of those light particles are actually ultraviolet.
2: Correct. Um, which which is invisible to the human eye.
0: So it wouldn't be a very useful light bulb if that's all it did. I mean, apart from, you know, maybe you wanted to have a wicked black light kind of thing going on. Oh,
2: right. And that is how black lights work. Um, yeah. But uh, but the the inside of most fluorescent bulbs that are not black lights are covered with them with a powdered phosphor coating. And right. um, this these these phosphor atoms get bombarded by the UV photons, uh, go through one of those fancy electron jumps. And in the process, release a visible light photon.
0: Right. So you, you're actually having two uh, incidents of the same process going on within a fluorescent bulb. It's just one of them is what is uh, re- giving us the, the light that we can see within the visible spectrum. And, uh, and and
2: the other is the more practical from a um, energy conversion. And um and also, I mean, stuff like argon gas is pretty common and inexpensive. Right. So, uh,
0: by the way, the fact that there is mercury in fluorescent bulbs is one of those reasons why you want to be very careful with fluorescent bulbs, especially when you're break them
2: open and lick them.
0: Yeah. You, when you're disposing in, uh, of uh, fluorescent bulbs, you need to be very careful because yes. mercury is very toxic
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and it can make you go crazy. And not in a fun Las Vegas kind
2: of way. Science fact.
0: Yes. So, uh, so that's one way that we use plasma along Um, with torches.
2: Yeah. And, and this, this brings us actually to plasma TVs because plasma TVs are, are essentially, um, made, a a plasma display is made up of a bunch of very small colored fluorescent lights. Right. Um, but by altering the kind of phosphors that you're using in a fluorescent lights coating, you can alter the kind of uh, visible light that's, that comes out of it. Right.
0: So what color you actually perceive.
2: Right. And uh, and these are our um, RGB. Uh, 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 red, green, blue. Red, green, blue lights.
0: Right. So uh, and here's an interesting thing. So one of the things that, you know, people who are home theater enthusiasts and, you know, they either subscribe to LED, LCD or plasma TVs uh. One of the things they talk about is contrast ratio, which is the difference between the whites that you can display on a screen versus the the shades of black that you can display on a screen. And if you have a true black, that means that uh, if you were to turn off all the lights in your room and look at your TV, it should just disappear. It should not even be noticeable. It shouldn't
2: be glowing.
0: Right. right. If you have an LCD television, chances are is that if you have all the lights off and you have a black screen on your TV and the TV's on, you can actually see more like a... Really, really deep gray color, and it's because it has a backlight. Mm-hmm. Whereas plasma televisions do not have that backlight; it's just relying upon right, that excitation of the gas.
2: Mm-hmm, yeah, there. It's just all of these little pixels of of red, green, and blue light that are that are very small and uh, contributing yeah. to a larger picture.
0: Right. So when it's when the screen is is black, it's because there's nothing active. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not that you know there's like a little tiny shield between the backlight and you, which is technically what's going on with most LCDs. The mm-hmm. the shield is. Very tiny, but it is what it is. Uh, and there were a lot of uh, other, like, differences between plasma and LCDs, especially early, early on. In fact, if you really want to experience the joy of learning about the differences, you can listen to one of the very first episodes of Tech Stuff. We're talking like back, I think, when it was five minutes long. One of those five-minute
2: episodes, You would have to go
0: to our RSS feed to find it. But if you went to our RSS feed and scrolled all the way down and then looked a couple of episodes up from the very first one, you would see that Chris and I did an episode all about the differences between plasma TVs and LCDs. But in this case, plasma is um, You know, one of the, the, the exactly what we're talking about, this ionized gas. Now, keep in mind, both with fluorescence and with the plasma TVs, these are not gases that are burning at hotter than the surface of the sun.
2: <laughs> right. No, so. no, they're not. However, our next application will be. OK,
0: uh, well, are you talking about plasma waste converters?
2: Um I was going to talk about plasma torches but Which, we can also yeah. talk about plasma waste converters. Right
0: because we kind of talked about plasma torches already. We did, we did. I, well, I
2: I wanted to mention that they they've actually been around since World War II um, Right. when uh, when factories working on military aircraft started adopting uh welding techniques that they that they realized were um uh were much more efficient um because they uh, um when when you're feeding that inert gas through through the electrical arc, um, it creates a, a barrier around the weld with the uh, with with the airflow, mm. and um, that that protects it from oxidation which is very useful when you're trying to make things stick together like metal. Um, that's right,
0: especially if it's metal that's going to be under tremendous stress, mm-hmm. like, a, and, and you know, poor, like an airplane. And
2: poor conditions, you know, yeah. like like having you know salty water being tossed at it. And sure,
0: stuff like sure. That. But plasma waste converters are a little different. It's using the yes. same technology as plasma torches, mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that you have a plasma torch at the, the heart of the plasma waste converter. And anyone who's listened to Tech Stuff long enough knows that I'm crazy about this idea, because I just think it's so cool. The idea is that you are using plasma, in the case, in the sense of a plasma torch, to break down the molecular bonds of garbage. So you bring garbage in, and the garbage gets exposed to a plasma torch within a furnace. The furnace itself is lined with lots of uh, protective material to keep it at a, a workable temperature, so it doesn't you know break down. But the garbage itself, when it's exposed to this intense heat, the molecules that hold it together, the, those bonds that hold the molecules together, rather, they break. Right, and it, and this it is turns.
2: Called, in, it's called molecular dissociation.
0: Yeah, uh, I've dissociated with some molecules in my time, and let me tell you, it's a violent process. And so in this case, what happens is the, the material breaks down into one of two forms. Either, if it's carbon-based, it, it then turns into gas, or if it is not carbon based, if it's not organic, it then melts down into slag. And usually before you would even go through this process, you would actually sort through this garbage, you know, take out anything that's metal that you could recycle, that kind of stuff. And so what you, what you're left with is a gas that if you treat it chemically, you could actually make a synthetic fuel out of it. Which um, which
2: is one of those promising um, future fuels that people talk about sometimes.
0: Right. And it's not that this is a fuel that would... It's not that we would create enough of this to make it our primary source of fuel. But, but it could it,
2: help offset some of our gasoline yeah,
0: usage. and Or even if you just had it on site, if you had energy production on site along with a plasma waste converter, then you could actually generate fuel electricity. Fuel your
2: converter with... Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You could fuel the converter. And if you made enough electricity from the fuel, it all depends on what the garbage is made out of. But if you made enough, you could even uh feed electricity back into, into the power the grid. grid. Yeah. So uh but then the other stuff, the slag, just melts off and it if you let it cool by air it becomes uh uh this rocky substance looks like volcanic glass and you can use that in construction materials. If you cool it with compressed air it turns into what's called rock wool, which is a very uh, uh effective insulator. Uh if you cool it by water it turns into this little pebbly kind of substance that you can use for multiple purposes. It's just a neat idea. And it's, uh, you know, it it comes at several different problems all at once. Energy production, although on a very small scale, again, it's not like this is going to it's not like it's going to be Mr. Fusion, right? It's not going to power your car. Um, But energy production as well as getting rid of garbage in a way that it it would mean that we turn our garbage into fuel sources. And eventually we could even if if the if the facilities were large enough Uh, get rid of landfills. We would eventually mine the landfills Mm -hmm. for fuel, plus take in all incoming garbage. Now. And this is in a
2: relatively clean way, by the way, because it doesn't use oxidation. Right. In the burning process. Yeah, you're not,
0: you're not actually burning stuff. Yeah, it's not a burning. You're applying so much energy that it just breaks it down. Yeah. So yeah, it's different from burning garbage and then releasing toxins into the air. Keeping in mind that the gases that you are getting from this process would be pretty toxic in some cases, but that's why sure. you have to have the chemical scrubbing uh, mm-hmm. part where you use uh, a special chemical. You cool the gas down in several in several steps. And once it's cool enough, you then combine it with other gases that will allow the useful stuff to pass through and become synthetic fuel. And the other stuff, the toxic stuff, would bind with other agents to become essentially inert material that you could then dispose of safely. At least that's the ideal. Uh, all that being said, Really expensive proposition, which is why we don't see it everywhere.
2: Right, right. Uh, but, but pretty cool though. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and this is possibly why people in science fiction decide that, hey, you know, this thing where we're literally breaking down the molecular structure of, of atoms. So, and that's,
0: yeah, why don't we use that as a weapon? As a weapon. I mean, if this is, if this is something that can turn stuff into just gas or molten slag, wouldn't that make an amazing weapon? And in theory, sure. And that's probably one of the reasons why it's so popular in science fiction. But we'll, we'll take a closer look at that. Before we get into the science fiction-y part and the actual weapon part, let's take a quick break. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. All right, so we touched on it. Why you would want a plasma weapon, because plasma is the stuff of stars. And if you were able to wield that in a weaponized way, you would be the biggest, baddest monster in the universe. You were looking at me to see how I was going to end that, weren't you?
3: I was. Because you
0: were thinking, like, there are a lot of (laughs) words that he could use to end that phrase, and some of them would require a beep. But I was good. You were. (laughs) So, yeah, it's it's this idea of transmitting huge amounts of thermal energy or heat. So if you think of our traditional guns, the stuff that we have right now today, most of those guns are weapons that transfer kinetic energy. The Mm -hmm. idea that I fire a projectile at a target, that projectile transmits kinetic energy to the target and that causes damage. Correct. Um. Now, uh, you know, not all guns are that way. We've got some guns that use different methods, like, uh, you know, things that even use things like sonic waves. That's a little, a little sonic wave still kinetic, but then you could have a a weaponized laser that would be sort of a thermal weapon.
2: More burning. Yeah, Yeah.
0: more burning. That's true. So the idea, I think, is that a plasma weapon would be uh, something that would, cause damage to your target through massive amounts of heat. Kind of the way we were talking about with the plasma torches. And
2: massive amounts of damage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So it wouldn't just be like it lights up very pretty, although that's kind of the effect we get with science fiction. So yeah, why are why do we see them in so many different uh implementations in science fiction.
2: I really do think it is because they look cool. Yeah,
0: they look cool and they make bloop noises or whatever, or <laughs> brow noises, you know. It's not pew-pew laser. It's different no. from pew-pew laser. But, uh, for example... You know, we've mentioned this before, Lauren and I both are fans of the Halo franchise. Yes. And in Halo, the, uh, the, the alien bad guys. The tend, Covenant. They yeah. tend to use, uh, plasma weapons. I think
2: in fact all of their, uh, uh, according to the Halo Wiki anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, not, not all of the weapons, they're, the, the needlers, the one kind of weapon under contention, but everything else that the Covenant uses is, um, is a, a plasma, plasma weapon. technology. Yeah, because they talk yeah. about
0: plasma rifles, they talk about, uh, plasma pistols. If plasma you wanna- grenades? Yeah, if you want to noob combo somebody, you got to have a plasma pistol and then a uh, human pistol, mm-hmm. and then you charge the plasma pistol it's up. It's really
2: good for, for taking shields down. Yeah,
0: and, and that's that's the real purpose of it in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Some weapons are very good at doing particular things, like the kinetic weapons are good at hurting people once their shields are down, but they're not so good at taking down shields, whereas the plasma weapons are really good at taking the shields down and if you're me they you could shoot somebody a billion times with a plasma weapon and they never seem to die whereas i can take a hit and a half and i'm done
2: right sure it's
0: also that i'm really bad at halo <laughs> Let's be fair. I'm, I'm probably not hitting them at all. I think I'm hitting them, but in reality, I'm just kind of spinning around, pointing my gun in the air and going, ah!
2: Within within the Halo universe, uh, by the way, and I, I found this interesting just because I'm such a Halo nerd. Um, uh, Supposedly, humanity had tried to create a plasma tank at some point um, because, you know, because we were... In this hypothetical future, using, um, using plasma for garbage disposal and stuff like Mm -hmm, that. And, mm -hmm. uh, but the, it never came to fruition.
0: Right. And whereas the, the Covenant certainly did. (laughs) Because the, the Wraith, as I recall, does fire, uh, giant blobs of plasma. And the interesting thing is that in the, within the Halo universe, the, these plasma projectiles behave in a very particular way. They, they, they seem to go straight out from the weapon. They don't, they don't bend to gravity in any way.
2: They do not. Um, so it's
0: almost more like a laser in that sense. It's like an energy weapon in that sense. But it's an energy weapon where it is a cohesive Blob and and, and a
2: very slow cohesive blob compared to, for example, the airspeed of a of a swallow. No, no, the airspeed (laughs) of a bullet. Um, or right, yeah,
0: yeah. The 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 physical projectiles. Like, if you're using a pistol, it's not like you can track the motion of the bullet in Halo, right? Mm -hmm. You just you see whether or not you hit something by the reaction. You can
2: see a sniper trail, but um. yeah,
0: yeah, you can see a trail, but you can't see the bullet itself. You Mm -hmm. know, you see the evidence of where the bullet was whereas with the plasma weapon you can actually track the projectile as it fires across the the, across yeah, the, board. the field yeah. of battle um, so uh,
2: and uh, uh, also i wanted to mention that star trek all, a lot of um, a lot of the plasma cannons bombs bullets torpedoes beams um uh, some forms of phasers are are also supposedly plasma based
0: interesting yeah I think it's just mainly because it sounds scientific and interesting mm-hmm. and again they you you know when you know that a plasma is an ionized gas and can be a superheated gas, then that tells you, oh well, you could have this blob of stuff, but it starts to raise some pretty tough questions like could we have a science fictiony plasma weapon, and if not what what's the problem where where are we hitting the challenge of doing this and there's Physics,
2: physics really yeah. is, is the problem. It's a
0: big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of those challenges, we kind of hinted at it already when I was talking about taking a shower. So imagine you're taking that shower and you want the steam to all go into one place in the room and stay there really hard how do you do that um yeah it's a some people have pointed out like think about if you had a gun that could fire steam sure if you were just right there right where the barrel of the gun is ended and if you've
2: ever gotten a steam burn it's it's bad yeah
0: it's bad you know if you're at point blank range for a steam gun that would be bad business it would hurt Mm -hmm. a lot so same thing with like a plasma torch except it wouldn't hurt so much as you would start to dissociate. <laughs> um, but uh, uh,
2: but if you get more than a few feet away...
0: Yeah, if you get more than a few feet away, it all disperses. It, it has this blooming problem again that it just starts to... the th- There's nothing holding the plasma into a shape like a projectile so that it could maintain some sort of coherence until it hit a target. So if I shoot a steam gun at Lauren and she's 15 feet away, she's just going to sit there and say, like, nice smoke machine you got there, idiot. <laughs> Uh whereas I'm thinking like, uh shoot, I should have got the other weapon, like the crossbow or something. This is yeah. terrible. It was yeah. a, a poor choice. Yeah. You might get a little damp.
2: Sure. From steam. So so this is basically uh Dr. Horrible's friend, moist. I yeah. think that this is what yeah. his superpower pretty does. Pretty much. Basically.
0: So now granted with plasma you're talking about a super high energy gas, and it's not that it would lose its energy instantaneously, but it would be you know it, it disperses pretty quickly. So uh another thing is that uh plasma tends to be less dense than atmosphere especially if it's like a hydrogen gas. I mean that's not hydrogen's the lightest of all elements, right? So if you were to fire out a blob of hydrogen, the first thing it would do is float up into the atmosphere assuming that you are firing it in an atmosphere and you're not in space. Okay. So if I if I, if I'm shooting at you in our own real world halo and I have a hydrogen based plasma weapon, you're just going to see my projectile shoot straight oh, up. Uh, as it's dispersing, so it's just getting—it's a blob that's getting larger and grow and floating up. Meanwhile, you're just giggling and I'm
2: still still shaking my head, unloading you.
0: your sniper rifle at me. <laughs> um, but luckily, uh, I serpentine. So anyway, the the this is a, a problem. You would have to have a super dense plasma so that it would not just float straight up. But that means that it would behave. According to the rules of gravity. So just like an actual projectile, if you fire a gun, uh, with a physical bullet and you have a, you know, you have plenty of space, that, that bullet will hit the ground. If there's nothing to interrupt its flight, it's going to hit the ground in the same amount of time, by the way, as it would take you to drop the bullet from the height of the gun. So if huh. I dropped, if I dropped a bullet straight down, uh, and I had a gun that is parallel to the ground, right? It's not pointed up in any way. It's not arcing. Uh, and, and I fire the gun and I drop the bullet at the same time. Both bullets will hit the ground at the same time. It's just the bullet that's fired from the gun will hit the ground really far away. Physics! That's because gravity's behaving. So gravity would, would also Uh, affect plasma because you would have to have it super dense enough so it doesn't flow in the air. Yeah, but that means that it'll pull super it down. Dense,
2: it'll pull it down. Yeah. yeah.
0: So uh, there's that issue. And then how do you keep the plasma together? How do you keep it so that it's a projectile? The only way I can think of is that you use some sort of traveling magnetic field that keeps it in that shape. So you would have to have something that could create a magnetic field around your plasma and travel with the plasma projectile until it gets to its target. We don't really have anything that can do that. And if we did, I'm not sure that a plasma weapon would necessarily be the most interesting thing
2: that we would do with that. Yeah,
0: we might be able to find other ways of weaponizing just that. The fact that we can make a traveling magnetic wave that we could control in so precise a manner as to Maintain the shape of a plasma ball. You probably can weaponize that in a much more effective way.
2: Uh, in in Halo, the uh, the plasma sword is uh, is is said to be controlled by by magnetic field generators,
0: right? That hold right. the blades
2: of of ionized gas in that shape.
0: Some people have theorized that a lightsaber is in fact some sort of plasma sword. Um, whereas I just say what Lucas said that it's a magic sword. So with magic, you don't have to have a scientific explanation. You don't. Nope. It's just magic. But anyway, so, yeah, you'd have to find some way of keeping that together. That's challenge number one. So we are nowhere near the point where we would be able to generate a plasma of the sufficient density and then keep it in the right shape and have it act as a projectile. We just don't have that here. So that's first challenge. Second challenge, propelling the plasma. How do you get it to go out of the gun toward your target and maintain any sort of speed? Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe, again, another magnetic field, possibly. You could use a, a a very strong magnetic field to to repel the plasma toward your target. Doesn't seem like it would be terribly accurate. It's yeah. almost like just shoving someone.
2: And also, also still not. I mean, if you can if you can really direct that sort of magnetic field, you get back into the territory of why aren't why we just, no, just
0: weaponizing that? Yeah, yeah. Or you, if you're talking about a plasma where you are generating the plasma by. P- pushing compressed air past electrodes as opposed to already having generated plasma and then firing that. If you're making the plasma on site like you would with a plasma torch, then uh, I guess you could have it be kind of like a plasma flamethrower. That's as close, or maybe it's doing a quick puff or a vortex of Mm -hmm. air. Have you ever seen those air cannon, the kind that have the elastic back? Yeah,
2: you pop them and.
0: And then you, you know. I don't know why I
2: leaned back from my microphone to visually display that for all of our listeners. I appreciate
0: that because mm -hmm. it told me that you actually understand what it is. You immediately knew what I was talking about because you were making the universal gesture of this jerk is about to hit me with an air cannon. Um If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, they're these air cannons. They're sold as novelties. You can find them all over the place. I think ThinkGeek has them. Mm-hmm. But you can use them to fire a puff of air at a person all the way across a room, and that air will maintain its shape by creating this vortex, this swirling uh, uh motion of air that allows it to kind of be a projectile over decent distances. It mm-hmm. does eventually disperse. It's not sure. like it's going to maintain that indefinitely. But you, maybe your plasma weapon would create a vortex similar to that and be able to uh, be a, propelled through a quick puff. Uh, but, you know, it's still kind of an issue there. That's, how do you do that? If, if, if you were able to generate enough kinetic energy through uh, the magnetic field, like you said, why not just make a, mag- a kinetic weapon rather than a plasma weapon? Um, and then finally you have the energy that would be required to make a plasma weapon work.
2: Right, because yeah, uh, it's you, you would really need you would need so much that it really wouldn't be mobile.
0: Right. Yeah, first of all, just to generate a super hot plasma, you would need quite a bit of electricity and you need a sustainable amount of Source electricity. Of yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Continue. So, yeah, you wouldn't any battery that we have that's portable right now would not work. So, we'd have to have incredible like maybe like a little fusion generator in whatever the weapon is and uh and then you're talking about carrying around a fusion bomb. In pistol form. Uh, otherwise, you are essentially connected to an enormous power facility th- by a cable, but, which is <laughs> not terribly mobile.
2: No, no. Um, certainly not for a personalized weapon. Though. Yeah.
0: And, it, and it's beyond just the generating of the plasma, right? If we also have to have this magnetic field, that energy has to come from somewhere. And if we're talking about propelling this plasma in any sort of way that actually makes it a, a you know, a, something that's more deadly than the Moonanite's laser beam, which moves at like one click a second, then you have to find even more energy to make that go forward. At this point, we're talking about so much energy to go into firing one single weapon that again, you could probably use that same amount of energy and weaponize it in a different way that's far more effective. So what we're coming down to is right now, a plasma weapon's not truly in the sense of the science fiction plasma weapons. Right. A plasma weapon's not really feasible. It's not not possible with the technology we have, and it's not really practical because, again, with that amount of energy we would need, we could probably find more efficient ways of killing each other.
2: All all kinds of more efficient ways, like any of the ones that exist right now.
0: Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's probably not a very likely outcome. I don't think we're ever going to see plasma weapons the way they are depicted in video games and movies. However, that being said,
2: once once we are all carrying around, say, Mister Fusion, um, maybe then then. But even maybe. then,
0: like, but, you, but also, why not just use a laser gun at that point, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> other than the fact that you want the cool blobby effect. I mean, mm-hmm. it, points for style, I guess. You can just um,
2: use a laser gun and say "glorp."
0: Yeah, yeah, glorp, glorp. That, that's how I would do it. So yeah. that being said, there are weapons that exist either in prototype stage or very early stages now that do have plasma as a component, but it's not like you're firing a projectile of plasma. Right. And one of those is something that we commonly refer to as a lightning gun. Uh, it's
2: Because, because lightning, um, uh, in fact, does uh, plasmify yeah. the air around it.
0: Right. So in this case, what you're doing is it's it's pretty ingenious. You're using a very high powered but very brief laser. It's only on for a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a second. Like we're talking like femtoseconds here. So you you, you blast out this, this high-energy laser. That high-energy laser, as it travels to whatever its target destination Through is... Through the air. It creates a plasma channel because it's so high energy that it's just plasmifying the atmosphere between it and wherever the target is.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So you've got this plasma channel. That means that if you wanted to, you could fire off a blast of electricity, a huge electric charge, down this channel. And because plasma does conduct electricity lightning essentially will travel down this plasma channel
2: and zap your target,
0: assuming that your target does, in fact, conduct electricity. So there's no like like here's the thing. It's not terribly accurate in the sense that if I'm aiming at Lauren and she happens to be, oh, I don't know, 200 yards away because these things, I mean, a laser uh, has no effective real uh, range on it as, mm-hmm. th- as far as, you know, it, no, that's too far out. Um, really, kind of line of sight is really what theoretically this would work as. So, I've aimed at Lauren, I've pulled the trigger, and, uh, this, this channel has opened up, and the, the electric blast immediately follows, like almost to the point where it, it's all, to us, it would seem it would instantaneous. instantaneous. But Lauren happens to be, uh, to be has a clear line of sight. I can see her, and I'm firing this at her, because apparently she's really, Cheese me off.
2: Uh, that happens.
0: But there happens to be an enormous tank that's uh, sitting 100 yards between the two of us. Uh, it's off to the side, so it's not like directly in my line of fire. Mm-hmm. However, this enormous tank is a conductor, and there is a very good chance that the lightning that's going down is going to zap onto that tank as opposed to continuing down and zapping Lawrence. Uh,
2: the same way that, for example, um, if you're if you're standing next to a very large tree. Um, you know that 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 tree versus an open plane. If, right. if if you're in an open plane, you don't want to be the tallest thing in it. If if you're in the middle of a lightning storm, right?
0: And if there's a lightning storm and there's an open plane and a very tall tree, you don't want to be under the tree. No. Because again, it's, it's gonna be that, you know, you can't predict exactly where this is going to go. It's a somewhat of a chaotic event.
2: Mm-hmm. Now. Um, but, but the largest conductor nearby is a pretty good guess.
0: Right. So if Lauren's the largest conductor nearby, first of all, there aren't any other people around because she's <laughs> tiny. But, uh, then she might actually get hit by this lightning blast. Now, to be fair, the, Applications that I have seen for this weapon are not meant to go against human targets or even vehicular targets, although that has been uh, something that's been proposed. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's a means of detonating what is a suspected explosive device. So the idea is that you get a safe distance away from the device. You aim this thing at it, and then this blast of electricity hits the device and would then uh activate it or or destroy it so that you wouldn't have to worry about endangering someone's life you wouldn't have to try and deactivate it in person or you wouldn't even have to send a robot to it you just blast it from a distance so uh, that's the the proposed use of it it's really kind of again not uh, as far as i can tell it's not something that's widely deployed it's still very much in that sort of
2: the testing stage yeah
0: testing and and waiting for uh for money kind of thing sure. where it may even be perfectly viable it's just that you have to get to the point where it funds and then it actually gets into the hands of the people who want to use it. Then there's something called the pulsed energy projectile weapon
2: or PEPs.
0: PEPs. Yeah. These are uh, often referred to as non-lethal weapons. And in fact, Chris and I did an episode on non-lethal weapons. If you haven't heard that one, you should go back and listen to it. Uh, we do cover PEPs in that one.
2: Less more than five minutes.
0: <laughs> yeah. This one. This one is one of the longer ones because it was a couple. It was like maybe a year or two ago when we did it. So uh. These peps are, uh, they're classified as non-lethal, but they can qu- be quite lethal. The idea here is that you use a laser again, uh, you point the laser at your target, and the laser is very high powered, and it ends up vaporizing part of whatever the target is, whatever it comes into contact with. Mm-hmm. In the process, that area then plasmifies, turns into a very rapidly expanding pocket of plasma. That expansion is super, super fast. And during that expansion, you get a couple of things that happen. If it's faster than the speed of sound, then you actually get a shockwave, like mm-hmm. you would, like a, a sonic boom. You know, it might not be on the scale of a jet flying overhead, but it could still happen. That would be enough to really knock you silly. But then on top of that, you get an electromagnetic pulse as well, which could be enough to overload your nervous system.
2: Oh, right, right. It's, it's really not the, um, not the, Heat of the plasma that, that you're worrying about in this case, it's the sensory overload.
0: Yeah. So you would essentially end up feeling a massive amount of pain and possibly be paralyzed for a, a certain, certain, certain of amount time. of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's meant to incapacitate the target and in fact has been referenced as being a weapon that would be used in something like riot control. So sure. Kind of terrifying. Uh, <laughs> you know? Uh,
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a, a for real set your phasers to stun kind of, kind of weapon right. is, Really nifty in Star Trek when everyone is a good guy, um, and they're only using it on bad guys. Right. But here in the real world is a little bit, a little bit that, especially since, since it, it is said to cause tremendous pain.
0: Yeah. It's not like it's something that just, you don't makes just you, fall down. Yeah. You don't just, don't just go, oh, you know, <laughs> it's more like, yeah, and then you can't do anything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, but those are two examples of existing weapons that, are using plasma in some way. It's just not in the way that we think of when we think plasma gun. So, you know, it's not that plasma is completely useless in the in the weapons field. It's just that it's not directly used as a projectile the way we think of when we play Halo.
2: There is. Um, I, I did read about about something called a plasma shield. Have you heard about this one?
0: Mm, no.
2: Um, uh, it's it's a device that's using um, a, a dynamic pulse detonation, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's basically um, a short but intense laser pulse creates a ball of plasma, and then a second laser pulse generates a, a shock wave. The way that we were talking about a moment ago mm-hmm. with the PEPs um, it creates a shock wave within the plasma that generates a flashbang.
0: Wow. That would, sounds like that would be terrifying. Yes. Yeah, and loud. And,
2: and very loud, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that this, this also, you know, being, being more defensive than offensive. Yeah, it's
0: meant to disorient. It's Correct. meant to disorient and to distract and to allow, uh, your other forces to either withdraw or to engage in a way that the, uh, opposing forces cannot anticipate because they're currently dealing with the fact that their ears don't work anymore right um yeah that's scary scary stuff and I mean anytime you talk about weapons obviously it's gonna be it's frightening. All scary yeah but mm-hmm. uh but I hope that that kind of uh those was a, this was a fun one to take another science fiction topic and really look at and say how could we make this possible and would it even be worthwhile I think I think the the consensus is it wouldn't be worthwhile in the sense of a plasma projectile but there are other ways you can use plasma that are both uh, uh, beneficial as in, uh, they do useful work for us. And also scary in that they can make you fall over and go out.
2: Useful and terrifying. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, just
0: like we are. We're y- useful and terrifying.
2: Yay. Yay.
0: So, guys, if you have any suggestions for future useful yet terrifying episodes of Tech Stuff, you should write in and let us know. Our email address is at discovery.com or find us on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle at both of those is techstuffhsw. And Lauren and I will scare and terrify you in a thrilling way really soon.